Today is Wednesday, August the 10th, 2022, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. On today's show, full fall camp updates, as I'll give you guys my full thoughts on everything that's happening on the practice field for South Carolina as Carolina continues their preparation for Georgia State on September the 3rd. Also, guys, we conclude the 2022 opponent preview series as we break down the Gamecocks' Week 13 opponent, the Clemson Tigers. Guys, we'll break down Clemson in their entirety, including their head coach, how they fared a season ago, best returning players on offense and defense, and I'll give my overall outlook for South Carolina's arch rival as well. Also, your listener questions, and we got a great conversation with a friend of the show, Brett Ciancia of Pick 6 Previews, joins me once again to break down all things Gamecock setting in the 2022 football season. Guys, we have got a packed show for you here on this Wednesday. And of course, as always, it's brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. And when you do, use the promo code SPURSUP to get $20 off your first purchase on any purchase of $50 or more. Guys, whatever you need tickets to, they have got it, whether it be Gamecock sporting events, concerts, comedy club events. They've also got what's called a deal score. When you go to their website or their app, you're going to see exactly where you're sitting, how much you're paying. So you're going to know when you click that buy button that you're getting the absolute most bang for your buck. Again, guys, it's our friends over at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. And when you do, use that promo code SPURSUP. That's S-P-R-S-U-P to get $20 off your first purchase of any purchase of $50 or more. Let's get it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Boys and girls, happy Wednesday, happy hump day. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show as always. And man, kickoff is truly around the corner. Things are heating up. If you don't believe me, go re-watch or re-listen yesterday's Daily Crow. Hear the comments, hear the calls, hear the predictions, folks. It was one of the all-time TDCs, the passion, the energy. And you know what's funny? After I appeared on J.C. Sherbert's show on Monday, by the way, which I had a fantastic time in doing so, all of the comments and a lot of the feedback I got from him and others was, man, you really bring the heat. You bring the energy. And I've made this point before, and I'll make it yet again here on these airwaves. I may not be the smartest. I may not be the funniest. I may not be the best looking. But damn it, one thing I pride myself on is bringing the absolute most energy and most passion. And why wouldn't you, folks? We're getting to talk South Carolina football and Gamecocks athletics and something we all love so dearly. Folks, again, I hope this show does find you. I don't matter where you are, what you're doing. I'm fired up. I'm excited. We're sitting now just 24 days away until toe meets leather 
at Williams-Brice Stadium. Let's get into it. Before we do, guys, a couple of quick announcements, housekeeping items. First things first, on the note of the Daily Crow, you may have seen this yesterday on social media. I am proud to say, by the way, and on this note, announce that we have now filled our slots for guests for all five days of the week for the Daily Crow. Let's take a moment. Give ourselves, give you all, a round of applause. Those who tune in, those who support, because without you guys, without your love and support, without TDC popping off and being what it is now, this most certainly would not be happening. Jake Crane of Crane & Company, a good buddy of mine, he will join us every single Friday, which again, guys, completes our lineup for the week. I will be tweeting this out probably today. I'll be sharing this on social media probably today. This is what the lineup looks like now on TDC. Of course, as normal, as always, we'll take your questions, comments, calls, right? We'll go live 12 to 2. But our weekly lineup or our daily lineup, if you will, for guests looks like this. On Mondays, we'll have Steven Garcia. On Tuesdays, Alex McGrath will join us. On Wednesdays, Anthony Treesh of Pro Football Focus. On Thursdays, J.C. Sherbert of the Big Spur. And then on Fridays, Jake Crane of Crane & Company. So again, we have officially filled out our guests. Also, by the way, that doesn't mean that other guests might be joining us or might not be joining us. I, I, literally, our guest today, Brett Cianci of Pick 6 Previews, has told me he wants to jump on the show. We had Kelsey Quarles call in before, guys. My good buddies Chris Marler and Connor O'Gara at Saturday Down South, they've expressed interest. So TDC to the freaking moon is going crazy. It's going wild. And again, really excited to have Jake a part of our weekly lineup. And again, it really just speaks to you guys. The banter, the engagement, the calls, the comments, you guys are what make TDC what it is. And again, I cannot say thank you enough. And again, I'm so excited for Jake to join the show on a weekly basis, especially on Fridays, right before kickoff, because Jake very well versed with South Carolina football, with SEC football and college football as a whole. I know he's going to bring an immense amount of value to the Daily Crow each and every single week. Also, guys, excited for tomorrow. Carolina Alehouse, the TSUS tour continues. We will be at the Fort Mill location, continuing our tour. We'll get going at 6 o'clock. All details are on social media. We'll probably do a Q&A around 7 or 7.30. We will have towels and koozies for sale. So, again, that's Carolina Alehouse in Fort Mill. Would love to see you there. And, guys, tonight, the Welcome Home South Carolina Football Series begins on ESPNU at 7 o'clock, airing each and every single Wednesday for the next five weeks. If you want to watch it, and you do not have ESPNU, let me suggest this, guys. We will be streaming it each and every single Wednesday night in the Big Cock Club Discord. Now, to get access to that, you need to join the Big Cock Club. But I can assure you this, guys, that $9.99 per month to join. And by the way, you get other benefits like, oh, I don't know, exclusive access to content, 20% off of all merchandise. If you like the merch, that alone is worth it, right? But you get access to the Discord. That $9.99 per month is a lot cheaper than you're going to pay a cable company to get access to ESPNU. So join today. Join the Big Cock Club, patreon.com slash Big Cock Club. Again, guys, that Welcome Home South Carolina Football Series. We'll begin streaming that tonight, 7 o'clock, 7 to 7.30. It will run each Wednesday for the next five weeks. going to be a ton of fun. On that note, and speaking of South Carolina Football, let's dive into everything starting with fall camp, of course, the Gamecocks have been to the practice field all week long, and there's been updates leaking out, if you will, from different sources. People like Sports Talk, of course, the usuals, Gamecock Central, the Big Spur. Obviously, we're not there in Columbia on hand at practice. But I just wanted to give you guys some of my thoughts on things uh, that have been reported. And like I said, guys, I would say this too. I, I take, I'll be honest with you, it's exciting when the guys hit the practice field because it's an indication that football is almost back. But I take a lot of what happens and what comes out of fall camp with a grain of salt. Because, guys, right now, let's be honest. This is, like, best shape of my life season. Everybody looks great. Everybody's good. Everybody's 0-0. Everybody's undefeated, right? So you kind of have to take it with a little bit of grain of salt. You can't just, you know, hook, line, and sinker and bite into everything and be like, oh, my God, everything's sunshine and rainbows. But there have been some interesting developments, especially when the depth chart starts to take shape, right? We all know the first scrimmage is this Saturday at Williams-Brice Stadium, so I'm sure we're going to hear from Shane Beamer after that. We're going to start to get a really good indication of who is contributing, where are certain guys at. Of course, that'll be closed to the media, but uh, some of the open you know, availability to the media, and again, guys like Sports Talk, the state, Gamecock Central, the Big Spur, uh, their reports on what the depth chart has looked like. First things first, who is QB2? And it is sounding like Luke Doty is that guy, but behind him, 
I think it's wide open, man, between Tanner Bailey, Braden Davis, Connor, uh, Colton Gothier, just what we're hearing. There's a lot of different guys in the running for that spot. I'll just be really curious to see behind Spencer Rattler, what does the backup quarterback position look like? Because like I told you guys, hey, we're starting our position unit previews on Friday. And the first position we're talking about is the most important, and that is quarterback. I think one of the sneaky storylines for the offense in that position is getting someone behind Rattler, pick and choosing your spots and when you can get them experience, right? Getting a QB2, QB3, these other guys some looks because next year at this time, right, there's going to be a new face. One of these guys on the roster most likely is going to be competing. All these guys will be competing for that starting job. So I think getting reps to some of these youngsters will be important. And I'm just curious, is it as simple as Luke Doty who played last year's QB2 or is one of these young guys going to step up? Also, I think one of the biggest takeaways, Marshawn Lloyd, at RB1, it looked like he was running with the first team. And again, take it with a grain of salt, right? He could have been running with uh, the first team yesterday or Tuesday or whatever, uh, Monday. And then Christian Will Smith could be the next day. And, you know, they're going to try different guys out in different spots. But it does sound like coming out of camp, everybody's pretty high and excited on Marshawn Lloyd. You know, I give my projected depth chart and everything when uh, when we do our position at preview series. So, this may be something for me where I'm like, you know what? Maybe Christian Beal Smith isn't going to be the starting running back. Maybe it is going to be the Marshawn Lloyd show. Maybe he's ready to show everybody why he was that five-star prospect and proved to everybody that he is that guy. Also, something that really jumped out at me is this. Jalen Brooks, right, returns from missing the majority of the season last year, hasn't been with the football team forever. He's now working with the first team at wide receiver three. Could Jalen Brooks be primed? for his best season in Garnet and Black. Really interesting. I and mean, again, you look at an athlete, right? A guy that we feel like has the athleticism, had trouble holding on to the football. If he can secure the football and be more dependable in that area, I don't see why he couldn't help this football team in a big way. Here's one that really jumped out to me, guys. Moving to the defensive side, okay? And I mentioned this on TDC yesterday, and this is meant as no way to slam the kid, but I'm just going to say this right now. And the reason you guys love this show and follow this show is because we keep it real. We keep it a buck. We don't sugarcoat things. But when I heard, and again, I take it with a grain of salt because I think there's guys that are probably being limited in practice. You think a guy like Sherrod Green, he's probably not taking as many reps because he's coming off an injury, stuff like that. But Debo Williams being listed as a starting linebacker. This is a position that has already been an eyesore for South Carolina right over the last couple of years. And the Gamecocks, it's well noted, it's well documented how poor they have been in stopping the run. And Debo Williams was not a guy that played a lot last year. He was not a guy that made a contribution. And that's not to say he doesn't have talent and that he can't play a role on this defense and be a contributor for South Carolina. But it does make me raise an eyebrow and it does make me have some sense of concern if Debo Williams, the transfer from Delaware, is beating out everyone else we have on the roster for a starting linebacker spot. That was a surprise. That jumped out to me. Maybe just maybe his game has made major strides over the last year. But for a defense that needs to be focused and centered on stopping the run, it was curious. It was Debo Williams and it was Mo Kaba as your two starting linebackers. I wonder, where is Brad Johnson? Where is Sherrod Green? Where is Stone Blanton? Where are some of these other players? It'll be curious to see if that is something that does that stick. Is Debo Williams truly, as he made that big of a jump, and he is a starting linebacker? Is it just a practice thing? I am just, if you cannot tell, concerned about the run defense. I'm still concerned with the run defense. I know Shane Beamer has been, you know, all, 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 uh, you know, all over the defensive tackles, talking about they're the best position group on the team. And that that's great. That's great. There's depth there, no question. And there are capable players on the defensive front, but there were last year too. And for whatever reason, it just did not pan out. So if Debo Williams is that guy, hopefully he's made a major jump and he's ready to contribute. But I, I just, it makes me nervous. It makes me nervous to think that he might actually be one of our best two linebackers on our football team, because again, this is a position that's been an area of concern, guys, forever. I mean, it just feels like forever we have not been able to field a really deep, talented group of linebackers, and I think that's hurt us in run defense. Again, guys, the Gamecocks will scrimmage on Saturday. They're practicing all week. Really excited to continue to keep up with the updates. Uh, the fine folks, like I said, who are there on site are doing a fantastic job, so y'all keep it up. But um you know, I'll tell you this. No news is great news when it comes to fall camp. And, of course, I mean knock on wood. 
on the injury front, right? None of us really want to hear any news at all because that means everybody's good to go. Everybody's good. Um, you know, however the depth chart shakes out, fine. That will obviously change over the course of the season. Some guys will win jobs. Some guys will lose jobs, what have you. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of this week plays out with practice. And, of course, coming out of the scrimmage on Saturday because, guys, we are getting ever so close to kickoff. I was talking about that with a buddy, you know, the other day. I was like, dude, you think about it. We've got this weekend. We've got the next weekend and the following, and then it's game week. I mean, it's literally game week. It's practically here. Cannot wait. Guys, we're going to conclude the 2022 opponent preview series. How about that? Finally putting this thing to rest as we talk. Clem sucks. The arch rival. Before we do, though, guys, I got to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks. Speaking of football season, Prize Picks is giving money away this season, practically, right? They're giving money away. Guys, here's how it works go download the Prize Picks app, go to prizepicks.com, use the promo code TSUS at sign up to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Guys, Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game in the market focused around prop total entries. Here's how it works. You pick 2 to 5 players and you can win up to 10 times on an entry. Now, Prize Picks has no sharks, optimizers or mass multi-entry. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entries. So, for example, you could take the over on Spencer Rattler passing yards, parlay with the under on Patrick Mahomes, with the over on LeBron. You can do NBA, NHL, NFL, MLB, whatever you can think of. And, of course, guys, the big sell with prize picks for all of us here is that they have college prop plays, which I feel like nobody else has they they also have a slick easy to use mobile app both on the app store and google play and they're rated 4.8 stars in the app store with rave reviews again guys let's break the bookie this season with our friends at prize picks go download that prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com and when you sign up use the promo code tsus to receive a 100 instant deposit match up to 100 again let's break the bookie with our friends at prize picks this season and we appreciate prize picks for their love and support of the Spurs Up show. Okay, first off, fuck Clemson. That's where I'll start this clip. The 2022 opponent preview series concludes as we break down the Gamecocks' arch rival, the two teams set to do battle Saturday, November the 26th, at Memorial Stadium. Clemson leads the series overall, 72-42-4. and They currently hold a seven-game winning streak, as we are all aware of. Of and of course, the last meeting last year, guys, Clem Sucks won the game at Williams Rice by a final score of 30 to zero. Many of us were in the building for that game. You look at the Tigers last year, went 10 and three overall, six and two in conference play, and a bit of a letdown year for them, right? They were looking at the playoff and being a national title team and lost three games. In that 2021 season, we'll get into more than that in just a second. Their head coach, of course, Dabo Sweeney, who enters his 14th season. As head coach at Clemson, and I feel like, guys, Dabo, people ask, you know, how long is he going to be there? Is he going to leave for Bama, leave for this job, leave for the NFL? I think Dabo's a Clemson lifer. I, I don't see him going anywhere. I, I don't see Dabo Sweeney, um, you know, leaving Clemson. I think it's a great situation for him. Uh, I, I think the next coach at Bama is basically going to be a dead man walking because, because nobody's going to live up to the success that Nick Saban had there. But I, I think Dabo's at Clemson to stay. I, I would be absolutely shocked. I think the only way he gets out is if he starts falling below expectations and Clemson fans who are to a point where they are spoiled and anything less than 10 or 11 wins are going to the playoffs, not good enough. And then he is eventually kicked out of the door. But I, I think Dabo Sweeney is a Clemson lifer for sure. When you look at how they fared, guys, a season ago, of course, it got off to a rocky start. I feel like this was really a game that I don't want to say it derailed their season, but I think looking back, Clemson would say, man, it would have been awesome if we played somebody other than Georgia because Georgia did beat them in a defensive slugfest 10-3. to Clemson then bounced back for wins against South Carolina State, Georgia Tech, then lost in week four to NC State in overtime. And that's when you really said, oh, boy, this thing's going sideways. They lost also the week prior. They lost, or excuse me, they beat Georgia Tech, but won the game just 14 to eight. And it took a last second stand at the goal line to win that football game. So early on, it was evidence like, okay, this offense stinks, right? DJU stinks. Clemson's going to have to win with elite defense, but they lost that game at NC State, won the next two, beating Boston College and Syracuse, then lost at Pittsburgh by a final score 27 to 17. They then won the rest of their ball games. Clemson did get hot at the end of the year. They beat Florida State, won at Louisville, beat UConn, beat Wake Forest, of course, beat the Gamecocks, and then won the Cheez It Bowl against Iowa State 20 to 13 um, in 
that one to finish off 10 and three and six and two in the ACC. So, I mean, a bad year for Clemson, but a 10 win season, but a nine win regular season, certainly below the expectations they had for 2021. When you look at their best trained players on offense and defense, offensively, of course, with the struggles in the passing game a year ago, the Tigers did lean on the run game. And they'll do that yet again because they return four of five starters on the offensive line. And the guy, again, they will lean on this season is running back Will Shipley. And you look at his year last year, 149 carries, 738 yards, and 11 touchdowns. The former five-star prospect, shifty, electric, explosive. You saw him in the South Carolina game. Uh, He is the real deal. I like Will Shipley's game a lot. And again, I think he will lead the Tigers' ground game and the offensive attack as a whole. When you look at their best string player on defense, this is a defense that's elite. And you look at the defensive line, they've got multiple All-Americans up front, and it's led by the defensive end, Miles Murphy. Last season, 38 tackles, 14 tackles for loss, seven sacks, and two forced fumbles. And the scary thing about Clemson's defense, guys, is this. I lifted, listed Murphy as their best training player. There's like three or four guys you could list here. And again, they got all four defensive linemen back, all four starters, if you will, in Thomas, Breesey, Davis, and Murphy. And three of those four guys are preseason All-Americans. So they've got the talent on the defense. If things click offensively, Uh, they could be a threat, which, again, we'll get into in just a second. When you look at their football team as a whole, 15 returning starters, seven on the offense and eight on the defense. The question for Clemson, I start here, is this. Is the dynasty coming to an end, right? Because you look at the turnover, you look at last season, and the the chink in the armors, if you will. And I've said before that Clemson now feels mortal. They, they, they're not on the level of a Georgia. They're not on the level of an Alabama. They feel like a team that is still really, really good, has talent top to bottom. They re- they've recruited at an extremely high level over the last decade. But you look at last year, and it really just goes to show you how much of a difference it can make and, and how far a program can drop if you miss at the quarterback position. Because you look at DJU's numbers last year, guys. He threw nine touchdowns to 10 interceptions. Nine TDs to 10 picks, and they're still banking on him to be the starter. I know many Gamecock fans selfishly, obviously want to see this thing come to an end. Is there anyone in the ACC that's going to dethrone them? That is the question that I have. Is there anyone in the ACC who's willing or can step up to the task. One of the big reasons folks seem to think that it's possible are the wholesale changes on the coaching staff, right? You lose your OC, you lose your DC. Now you got Brandon Streeter at offensive coordinator and Wes Goodwin at DC. Here's what I'm intrigued to see, right? Because what's so interesting is Dabo Sweeney has built the Clemson program to a point where he could have gone out and gotten anybody, right? Literally anybody. Instead, he chooses to promote within which is an an admirable thing, right? But who in the hell has ever heard of Brandon Streeter and Wes Goodwin? Because I sure as shit haven't. And you could have went out and got a name. You could have gotten some big-time guys, but you chose to promote from within. The Clemson way. And it very well might work out for you, and you'll look like a genius. But if it doesn't, because many folks look at the Clemson program and credit Brent Venables, they credit Brent Venables for what Dabo Sweeney has been able to do, If this does not work out, that decision to promote from within could be detrimental to the future of their program. I'm not saying that it's not going to work out, but it was a risk. And it was an interesting move by Dabo Sweeney because, again, he's built the Clemson program to a point where they could literally go get anyone, anyone they wanted to be on that coaching staff. Offensively, guys, it starts at quarterback. And my biggest reasons of doubt for Clemson, again, they got four or five back on the offensive line. They've got their tight end, Davis Allen, back. They've got Joseph Nada back on the outside. They're not great at receiver, but Nada should lead the way. But it all starts and ends with the quarterback position. And is DJ Uyunglele ready to live up to the hype? Because he was abysmal a season ago. You look at his numbers, 208 for 374, 2,246 yards, nine touchdowns, and 10 interceptions. Now, the man behind him who will battle for the job is the freshman, Cade Klubnik. And there are a lot of Clemson fans that want him to win the job. It's crazy, and it's been a long time since this has been the case in Clemson. But for the most part, as much as I can tell, Clemson fans hate, and I mean hate, DJ 
Uwe Most Clemson fans have mailed it in on this dude. No Clemson fans, or at least most I've seen, they don't believe in him. They don't think he's the guy. And they feel like it's only a matter of time until Kate Clubden takes the job. Now, my question is this. If they all feel that way, and it just seems like everyone out there feels that way, what is Dabo Sweeney waiting on? Like, is this going to be another Trevor Lawrence, Kelly Bryant situation where we get three, four, five games in, and then the freshman takes over and he is now the starting quarterback? I just I just wonder. It's hard for me to believe that after the type of season DJ had last year. And, and, and Dabo Sweeney, by the way, give him credit. At media days, he very much so, the uh, the slap dick from, from uh, East Aboga Community College, whatever, his quarterback, he defended the hell out of him. He defended the hell out of him. So, obviously – Dabo Sweeney does not buy the narrative that DJU cannot be a good quarterback. He must obviously believe in him if he's got him there. I mean, you look at their offensive numbers last year, guys. 82nd in scoring, 103rd in passing, and 100th in total offense. I mean, they were abysmal. They were absolutely abysmal a season ago. A lot of Clemson's season comes down to that quarterback position. Does anybody step up is the answer there on that roster? Because, hey, on that note, speaking of, they've got a national title caliber defense. And I think if they have the offense to go with it, Clemson's a team that's certainly a threat for the playoff. I know many people are picking NC State and the ACC and some others, but I think until a team like State dethrones them and actually takes that division – it's it's Clemson. It's hard to go against Clemson. The question's all offensively because that defense is elite. Again, eight starters return, that entire defensive line. They got three All-Americans up front. At the second level, they got Trenton Simpson at linebacker. And then the secondary, they got Andrew Makuba. They've got Landon Zanders, uh, Nate Wiggins, Sheridan Jones. I mean, they are elite defensively. There's no question. You look at this defense, again, eight starters return from a defense that ranks second nationally in scoring defense, seventh in rushing defense. 40th in passing defense, and 8th in total defense overall. So it is truly a championship-caliber type defense. Will they have the offense to complement that unit? Speaking of the game specifically, South kind of Clemson from the 26th, my question simply this, because you guys all know, right, I've picked the Gamecocks to beat Clemson, right? At some point, the streak has to end. Seven in a row, Clemson will go for their 8th straight, right? Does competitiveness return to the rivalry, right? Because not only has it been a long time since South Carolina has beaten Clemson, it's been a long time since this game has been even remotely competitive. When is the last time in this series that South Carolina and Clemson have gone to the fourth quarter and you were on the edge of the seat, that you, you felt like, oh, man, I don't know who's going to win this one. It's so in suspense. It has been forever. I know it's on the road. I understand that. But I think when you look at the two rosters and you look at the dynamic of this football game, I think this is South Carolina's best chance to win this football game in quite some time. And it's their best chance they will have in quite some time. For the first time I've mentioned this since 2013, I believe the Gamecocks have the better quarterback in the game. And if they can get any sort of a push up front from their offensive line, if they can hold their own on the line of scrimmage, I see no reason why the Gamecocks cannot keep this game close and better yet win this football game, right? I saw an early line from Vegas. Game of the year lines. They had Clemson as a 16-point favorite. Guys, I will take South Carolina plus 16 today, tomorrow, and for the rest of my lifetime, right? And I will say this. I will say this. If the Gamecocks, especially if they can't keep it close, but if they can't win this year, I hate to say this, but I do think the streak will reach double digits. I, I just, I do not think South Carolina, at least early on, will be a better football team next year. And I think Clemson, this is the time that you need to catch them. When they've got questions at quarterback, when they've had all these moving pieces and changes with their coaching staff. Yes, I know the defense is elite. I understand that. But you look at the game last year. South Carolina's defense, for the most part, they held their own, but they had no semblance of offense to complement it, and eventually they wore down. If the Gamecocks, again, can hold their own on the offensive side, they can put together some drives, Spencer Rattler is that dude, I think they've got a really good shot, again, not only to keep this game close, but to beat Clemson. That's why I picked the Gamecocks to beat Clemson 24-21 to in this ball game. But, again, the big question is competitiveness and overall rivalry. I understand, you know, we ran a poll and you guys say, Carolina could lose to Clemson for 100 straight years and forever it'll be a rivalry. It doesn't matter what the record is. That's true amongst fans. 
That's because I will never stop calling Clemson fans crayon eating goat fucking slap dicks. I will never stop doing that. But on the field, on the field of play, right? We need to see some juice back in this rivalry. And the only way to get it is for Carolina to win a game or two, to make Clemson even sweat. Because, guys, the games have not even been close in this series, at least of late. So that is my full breakdown. That is my full breakdown of the Clemson Tigers. That concludes our 2022 opponent preview series. And lastly, guys, as always, it's fuck Clemson. And uh, if there's any Clemson slapdicks tuning in, uh, save some crayons for all the other fan bases out there, specifically Georgia, Tennessee, you know the others. Uh, let's get into your listener questions regarding this matchup and Clemson as a whole. Dante Furcana says, when we do it, it's always in Memorial Stadium. The Gamecocks, uh, I mean, it's just been forever since Alcon has beaten Clemson, period. So you're talking about ending the streak. Hopefully it does happen this year on the road. Should be fun. Uh, Sanchelli Forrest says, if Ratland, the defense, are at peak performance, the Gamecocks absolutely beat Clemson. I, I think the defense will do enough. It's all about can South kind of get that push on the line of scrimmage, give Spencer Rattler time. You need a great game plan as well. That's the scary thing about Clemson's their defense. Offensively, until Clemson finds a quarterback, I think they're going to be very average, very pedestrian on the offensive side. I think it'll be a struggle yet again. Krusty Andy, what are Clemson sucks' biggest question marks? Again, you got to start at quarterback. You absolutely have to start at quarterback. I think wide receiver is a big question mark for them defensively, I mean, they lose a couple of guys in the secondary, but I think Clemson, for the most part, is a really, really good defense. I think they're an elite-level defense. Uh, Krusty Andy, how many crayons does Dabo eat for breakfast? Too many. Too many. Uh, J- uh, Jay McClary, 28, says, fuck Clemson, enough said. Indeed, fuck Clemson, enough said. PJ Kramer, 18, says, please, I can see Rattler in the offense putting up as long as the defense holds up. I think the defense will hold up. I think the defense, um, I think the defense will hold up uh, just enough in that one. KJ Gonzalez, it has to be the year. Beamer, if you're listening, please, for the love of God, make it so. I'm sure Shane Beamer's tuned in the podcast. Uh, and if you are, Coach Beamer, appreciate you. We appreciate you. We got your back. Uh, Crawford Clark, 2756, says, not this year. We're still building. And that's the final comment, which I hate, which I hate. I understand the Gamecocks are still building, right? I understand it'd be a tall task. But streaks are made to be broken. And there's a lot of negative streaks. There's a lot of negative trends on the Gamecock schedule this year. You know, why not? College football is crazy, guys. It's only crazy until it happens. Look at last year against Florida. Nobody would have picked the Gamecocks to beat the Gators. Florida came in that game as a 20-point favorite, and look what happened. Carolina won by 23. So I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, right? But at some point, South Carolina is going to beat Clemson again. At some point, South Carolina is going to play Clemson close again. But as I've said before, guys, I'm not picking the Gamecocks to play Clemson close. I'm picking them to beat Clemson. I think this year is the year. I think Spencer Rattler is the difference. You've got the better quarterback. The defense will be solid enough to hold down Clemson offensively. Hold your own at the line of scrimmage. And I think you've got the tools you need to get the job done. So, I appreciate the questions, guys. Thank you so much for the banter. Would love to continue to hear your thoughts on this rivalry matchup. How are you feeling going into the Gamecocks? Snap the streak against their arch rival. Folks, that's going to do it all for me. I appreciate you all tuning in. Do not go anywhere, though. We've got a fantastic conversation coming your way. Great stuff, man. We're rolling. You know football season's close because I'm already a fired-up and intense guy, but even I can feel the intensity climbing, the intensity ratcheting up. That's certainly the case. Guys, thank you all so much tuning in again. That's going to do it all for me. Uh, Continue to stay tuned to The Daily Crow, the podcast, all of our content, and hope to see you guys tomorrow night in Fort Mill at Carolina Ale House for the TSUS tour. Guys, y'all take care. Appreciate you all tuning in. And enjoy this conversation with Brett Ciantia of Pick 6 Previews. All right, guys, joining us down the Spurs Up show, very familiar voice and a friend of the show and someone that I want to start by saying this. I am extremely proud of because as someone in the content game, as someone who's sort of in this space, I know the risk and the guts it takes to start your own thing, be your own business order owner, sort of go against the grain, if you will. And certainly he has done that with great success, releasing this year for the first time ever. You probably saw the promo. I think it was last week. For the first time ever, a hard copy 
of his preview magazine. You guys know who I'm talking about. Brett Ciancia of Pick 6 Previews joins the show. Brett, thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate you doing this. And let me say again, congratulations, man, all your success. I've got the magazine sitting right here in front of me as we were talking off air. The PDF version was already awesome, but having that hard copy, it just hits a little different, my friend. Mm-hmm. It's a little different. So, uh, again, thank you so much for joining, and uh, congratulations to all your success. Oh, well, thanks a ton, Chris. Thanks for having me on, and I uh, appreciate that promo vid last week. appreciate the big intro here. It's been great connecting with so many uh, Gamecock fans, and um, and also congrats to what you built over at Spurs Up, uh, Spurs Up Show, Spurs Up Show Store. Um, you know, you, you've done really well for yourself, too. And it's kind of cool, the timing of it. We're kind of building our businesses together. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, mutual respect there. Uh, keep it up. I see the new stadium looking nice already. Made the move. Um, but yeah, and uh, I'm excited to talk some Gamecock football with you guys. And, um, you know, we were on in the spring. I remember optimism was running real high in the spring. One of the most anticipated spring balls in Carolina history. And same is true for this fall camp heading into 2022. Yeah, you know, it's funny, Brett, and I'm sure that it it, it occurs at every single uh, every single school, every fan base where it's like, you know, I feel like people have pretty realistic expectations in spring and you get into May, but as the summer creeps, right, the anticipation builds and it's like the win total that's predicted from fans. It like goes up by one every <laughs> month, right? And by the time you get to kickoff, it's, it's such a fever pitch. It's like, we're going to win it all. We're going to, you know, it's just like crazy how it bo- builds and builds and builds and you reach that boiling point and there you go. There's kickoff, toe meets leather. Uh, but again, really excited, Brett, to dive into everything. Again, by the way, you mentioned the store. If you guys did not know, Brett Ciancia is the man behind the mini helmets, which I got to send you a picture after this, Brett. They are sitting on my entertainment center under my TV. It is an incredible display, folks. If you have not gotten those mini helmets, I know we've had some orders come in recently, but be sure you're a Gamecock fan. Obviously, you're into this. It is a must have for your Gamecock man cave again tsus.store that's where you can get them and again thank you to Brett Ciancia uh for helping us out with that but again Brett let's dive in everything we talked Spencer Rattler the last time you're on the show and like you mentioned man the momentum's only built from the last time we had you on it's been incredible a successful spring ball summer now we're in the fall camp I'm not sure Brett if you got to catch a lot of SEC media days but I know that I was sort of I was a bit surprised at the amount of hype the Gamecocks are receiving, but I think it all stemmed from having that guy under center, having Spencer Rattler, the hype and the hoopla around him. You saw guys like Jordan Rogers and Greg McElroy and Tim Tebow rank him as the second or maybe even third best quarterback in the SEC. I know we talked about it before, but I got to get your thoughts on it again. When you look at his game and you talk about it in your magazine, the edition, he was a program changing a program changer is the way that you labeled him in the magazine just talk about rattler again his game the type of impact you think he can have for south Carolina this season yeah well that was really what kicked off what was probably the biggest transfer portal offseason ever i mean i've been doing pick six previews now this is the 11th season uh, with the preseason magazine and not only was it the biggest coaching carousel but again the biggest transfer portal wave and i remember i think it was early december right when conference titles were ending up that was the big breaking news. You know, you guys opened up the pinata, so to speak, and uh, all the all the transfers came after that. But he was the first big one. And it wasn't just Spencer Rattler, but he brought his all Big 12 tight end with him, Austin Stogner. So that was a huge blockbuster one-two punch right away to open up this offseason. So that really set the tone for Beamer's first big offseason after that bowl win, that Dukes-Mayo bowl win, uh, to set the optimism running crazy and really uh, set into motion a top 10 transfer class. You see South Carolina coming in at number nine in the transfer rankings. So, um, and then specifically what Rattler brings. Uh, I mean, first off, right away, he brings stability to the quarterback position. I know that this was a, a position last year that had some ups and downs, some injuries for South Carolina. I mean, you expected uh, Luke Doty to come in. Um, he was injured in fall camp. Then you have a grad guy, Zeb Nolan, coming out of nowhere. But uh, yeah, he won some games for you. Uh, then you have Jason Brown finishing it off with some big wins over Auburn and Florida. But much to say that it was a revolving door. It was kind of inconsistent there. So you bring stability. Now, it's important now, how, how much do you weigh the hype? Because in 2020, we saw a breakout true freshman uh, put up incredible numbers. I think he was seventh in power five, wedged right between Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. So that set the tone for a huge hype of 2021, where he was the Heisman favorite coming in. And, um, you know, ups and downs for him in 2021 enough to be pulled there in the Red River rivalry, and that was it for him. So I think he's somewhere in between the two. I mean, uh, I think there's no reason he can't get back to somewhere near that 2020 caliber with a fresh start. Mm -hmm. 
Now, Brett, I, I don't think the question is, is South Carolina going to improve offensively? It's just how much, because I'm looking at, uh, and again, I, I love the way, Brett, that you break down the information, that you categorize it, and you put these rankings and you have the color coding makes it really easy for fans, I feel like, to look and say, hey, we were good at this last year, we were bad, we were sort of in the middle. But again, the Gamecocks offense will improve because it literally can't be any worse. It's just how much will it? Because you look 106th in scoring offense, 95th in points per play, 110th in total offense, 96th in yards per play, 95th in passing offense, 93rd in rushing offense. My question, Brett, to you is this. This offense is going to make a jump, and there are other questions that I'm going to dive into with you in just a second, but how big of a jump do you think they can make? Because I've had some fans saying top 40 nationally top 50 nationally. And when I talked about the offense and, and the season will be successful, if I feel like, Brett, that 30 points per game is that magic number. I, I think that you should be able to hit that. And I think if you do, that will be a successful year. Again, the Gamecocks, 106 in the country, 22.6 points per game a year ago. So it is a big jump, but I feel like it's justified for folks to expect that with the additions you've added to that offensive side. Am I asking for too much, or do you feel like that's fair shooting for that 30-point-per-game mark? Yeah, well, so far what you're saying is fair. I think that when you look at three main areas, uh, there are pointers up year-to-year, uh, year, some pointers going in the right direction for South Carolina. We hit on one under center. I mean, right mm -hmm. away you bring in a, a former all-conference guy, uh, you know, a former five-star prospect. He's shown us high ceiling there. I think he brings stability to the position. Uh, number two is this offensive line. Like you said at the top, it can't get any worse. Uh, they were one of the rare lines out there that placed outside the top 100 in both my run push and my pass pro. Uh, but the key why I think it's got to improve is that they're all back. Uh, you bring back seven guys with starting experience. And um, I think it's mostly the entire two deep as well, which is rare. So uh, just that year over year, you know, second year coach bonus, whatever you want to call it, it's going to improve up front. It's just a matter of magnitude. Um, and then thirdly, and lastly, I think a, a coordinator, Marcus Satterfield, he's been, th been through the ringer last year. I mean, he showed some flashes there in the bowl game. Uh, he also took some hometown booze there throughout the season. But I think you saw him grow a little bit as a play caller and as a schemer uh, in that bowl, in those 15 bowl practices leading up to that Mayo Bowl, where got creative, put Joyner back there in some wildcat and really ran the offense. Got Jaheim Bell more into the slot uh, and more into the pass game, vertical pass game. I mean, these are weapons that you have on the roster that need to be utilized. So. Um, I think that given a whole, you know, that was his test run. Now, mm -hmm. given a whole season under his belt and the bowl practices, spring ball, fall camp, I think you come in with a more complete coordinator too. Okay. So to the Gamecock fans, let's give this guy one more year. Mm -hmm. I think you're going to see progress at each three of the, all, all three of those tiers. Yeah, fans are, there are a lot of fans that are going to be ready to put Satterfield to the ringer once again if things get off to a slow start. But I agree with you. I think it was the right move by Shane Beamer to bring him back. Um, there's something to be said for staff continuity, if you will, again, especially given a guy a second year when it's the first year of a brand new head coach and a brand new system, brand new scheme, and you have the carousel they had at quarterback. Let's see what he can do now. You know, I, I make this comparison or I, you know, I have this conversation on my show, Brett, he had the beat up hoopty last year. You traded him for the Ferrari. Let's see what he can do. And Hey, if it doesn't work, it's the driver. We got to get a new driver because the car has been upgraded. Um, you, you know, you mentioned the offensive line, Brett, and what, what's so intriguing about the Gamecocks is normally if I told you any other team, Brett, if I said, hey, this team has 129 career starts coming back on the offensive line, they've got their entire two deep back, and they've got seven guys who have started six or more games in a season. I think, Brett, you'd automatically say, oh, they're going to be, be elite offensively. I, I mean, they're going to be a team that might challenge for, for, for the division. But then you look at the Gamecocks offensive line, and sometimes experience can be overvalued if it's not good experience, right? Again, you have in your magazine, South Carolina was 96 nationally in the offensive line run push, 100th in pass protection sack rate. Those numbers speak for themselves of how bad they were a year ago. But like you mentioned, Brett, I mean, this is a group that has to be better, right? They have to get better this year. Yeah, well, I think one thing that might get glossed over is just the, the coordinator carousel that Carolina has had at, uh, on offense there. So if these are fourth-year seniors, this will be the first time they have a, a returning coordinator. I mean, mm -hmm. they had McClendon as freshman. They had Bobo there in 2020. And then Satterfield was their third new coordinator in three years last year. So finally you get the, you know, the efficiencies of, of learning a, a scheme and then retaining it over the offseason, spring ball, fall camp, a second go-round. So, uh, yeah, having the entire two deep back helps. But then just not having to change schemes and, and assignments and plays. And so I think you get some bonus there, some second year coordinator bonus too. Mm.
For sure. Now, moving to the defensive side, Brett, what I think is so interesting about this defense, you mentioned your magazine, too. The Gamecocks defense improved in all 14 of your statistical categories. I'm sure there were not many teams that did that, by the way. It speaks to the job Clayton White did and how bad Carolina was in 2020. Let's be honest. But either way, South Carolina jumped in all 14 of your categories. I mean, you look, the one that really stands out, seventh nationally in pass defense. Um, the Gamecocks were elite against the pass. But the run defense, the run defense is what hurt. 93rd in the country against the run. So what's interesting, I think, going this year, Brett, because when I look at this defense, I project – South Carolina, I think, is going to be about the same, that 24-point-per-game mark. I think they fall somewhere between 23 to 25 points per game. But I think they're going to do it a little bit differently. You know, Shane Beamer, what's been so interesting, he has been preaching all preseason long. He says the defensive tackles are the strength of this defense. Now, if you're going to be saying that, in my opinion, the run defense has to be better. You mentioned also the linebackers that returned. You've got Cabo. You've got Sherrod Green. You know, you've got a slew of guys that are back with experience. Again, you look at the defensive line, and then even the secondary. Yes, you lose Jalen Foster, but you're led by Cam Smith. You've got Devonnie Reed from Central Michigan. You've got Tyrese Ross from Washington State. R.J. Roderick's back for what feels like his 10th year in Columbia. So you've got experience in the back end. How do you view this defense? Again, how do you think of my opinion? Like I said, I, I think this defense – is going to be about what it was last year. I think it's going to happen a little bit differently, though, in the sense I think this is a defense. They'll be slightly better stopping the run, which I think in turn will make teams throw more. So I think the pass defense, quote-unquote, takes a step back. But I think all in all, it will be an effective defensive unit, good enough at least to get this team to seven or eight wins. Yeah, I think you're mostly right on there. I mean, I don't think the defense will be a liability that is the reason that they're left out of bowl season. I think it's strong enough. Uh, there are some great spots on the roster there that have a ton of talent, a really crowded defensive line. I mean, I got to start there. That's the headliner for me mm -hmm. when you break it down. Um, you know, you do lose Kingsley there at one of the defensive end spots, but they're well equipped to re, to, re, uh, to, to fill that in. You get Jordan Strachan back. He's a returning starter. Ter uh, Terrell Dawkins coming in from NC state and he led the ACC. I, I mean, uh, in sacks back in 2020 of all freshmen in the ACC. So mm -hmm. productive guy there. He flashed in the spring game. Uh, but then you look at the, the defensive tackles, um, and that's what you mentioned that Beamer hit on. It's two in-state four-stars, Tonka Hemingway there from Conway and Alex Huntley, the hometown guy from Columbia. These two guys are ready to, to, ready, ready to roll and hold down the, uh, you know, the center of that defense, not to mention a pair of five-stars. Yeah, Zach Pickens is still there on, on campus, unbelievable. Uh, third highest-rated commit in school history. And that was only to be surpassed a year later when hometown uh, Jordan Birch signed. So I'm waiting for him to break through, too. Uh, that, that could be an elite one-two punch, assuming Burge continues to improve. So um, a lot of firepower on that defensive line to, to kind of set the, set the anchor of the defense. Mm. Now, Brett, when you, when you look at a defense, how much do you weigh turnovers in, in regards to their success? Because one of my big questions looking at this unit as well is you lose Jalen Foster, right, who was that big play guy on the defensive side. And I just wonder – Who's going to fill in his shoes, right? Who's going to be the guy that when South kind of needs a pick or a turnover or what have you, a big play, they step up? Because you look at the Gamecocks last year and you look at the amount of close games they were in, you look at the amount of games that a turnover either turned the game or changed the result. It was a good many. And it was the difference, I think, in Carolina being a bowl team, getting that seventh win, if you will. Um, do, do you have any concerns in regards to, do you feel like this was a defense that made their living forcing turnovers? And my biggest question, Brett, is this, if they cannot force turnovers at that rate, because listen, a lot of it's coaching and skill and all that good stuff, but a lot of it is right place, right time, right? So when you view turnovers for a defense, not even just South Carolina, how much do you weigh that in when you're, when you're predicting or you're ranking, or you're giving your projections for a defensive unit? Well, with turnovers, quite honestly, not too much. Um, yeah. I, I like to learn about what the schemes are like. I mean, some mm. some schemes, some coordinators really gamble and try and create instant turnovers to get the ball back to their defense. Uh, at the same time, ones that do that might be more overexposed to giving up long yardage explosives. So it's a it's a tug of war there. But um, you know, year to year, the turnovers seem to even out, especially fumbles. That that seems like a very random stat. Interceptions, yeah, you can scheme up pretty well. Just look at Iowa, the way that they lead the country almost every year in picks. Uh, that's just elite coordinator, uh, you know, Phil Parker out there doing his thing. But for the most part, not really. I think the more key stat here is defensive, uh, you know, pass defense quarterback rating. So mm -hmm. I think that, that stat really encompasses everything. You have completion percentage in there, yards per attempt, yards per completion. Um, because hey, the more balls that are being batted down or deflected or incomplete, that's just 
statistically the more chances it picks. So, um, you know, it's, it's a complicated thing. I mean, I don't worry about losing Jalen Foster's interception stat per se. I'd be more worried about losing him, the player. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. Um, but for, for any turnover that you're losing there, I think you gain some efficiency with Rattler at quarterback. So that might even net out. Mm-hmm. But, um, no, I, I don't really value that as much. Like I said, look at the overall pass defense numbers and uh, and really understand what the, what the coaches are trying to do. Mm-hmm. Now, Brett, switching gears a little bit, because on that note, you know, we haven't talked about this a lot on your appearances on this show. You know, one of my favorite statistics that you have is the win conversion rate when it comes to recruiting. And we could just spend an entire show talking about the momentum that Shane Beamer's building the recruiting trail. Gamecocks right now sitting top 20 nationally, and, and, and they're doing a fantastic job. And, of course, it'll all be about taking that talent and getting the most out of it, as we know. But your game grader um, – metric that you have right i'd love for you to explain that further and this is my take on it i probably should have done more research before we jumped on here but it's something that i've just sort of glossed over to be honest with you brett but i look at it and what it feels like to me it's a gauge on is you know a lot of college football it's not just about winning right this isn't baseball where if you win by a run it's all good college football you need to win and win with style Right. And it's about how you win. Do you dominate your opponent? Do you do you get lucky breaks? Do you live off of turnovers, for example? Right. Is it smoke and mirrors or are you really what your record says you are? And so I look at South Carolina last year and even in some of their wins. I mean, Troy, you gave a 50, you know, the the metric said a 54.1 grade. You look at East Carolina, 47.8 grade, of course. Florida, no surprise. You win that game by 23. The statistics are impressive. That's a 92.9 grade. Discuss and dissect and break down this game greater because am I reading it correctly when I see and I say and, and the Gamecocks ranked 12th out of 14th in the SEC and 52nd out of 66 nationally in their game greater 39.8 what that tells me if I'm understanding this correctly is yes Carolina won seven games last year but the way in which they did it wasn't all that flashy and wasn't all that impressive and the game greater is a metric that can really tell you how dominant a football team was over the course of the season. Is that correct? Am I, am I on base off base? What's, what's the, I would love for you to explain. Yeah, for sure. And um, I I think you're pretty close there. I mean, really what it is, I'm not trying to rewrite history. Now that's one key distinction. I'm not taking anything away from Carolina's seven win season. I thought it was incredible turnaround by, by Shane Beamer, but what game grader is, it's more forward looking. It's more a predictive tool that I use year over year. Um, I'm not here to rewrite history or, or knock a resume for what they actually won on the field. A W is a W, mm-hmm. um, but from a, a predictive, you know, a predictive angle, forward looking, um, not all wins are created equal. That's kind of the point. And, um, so to bring it back to what Game Grader is, why I d- designed it, how I designed it, uh, this is a one man company, Pick Six Previews, and I cover all 66 Power Five teams, all five leagues. So it's one thing to watch them all, and I try and I mean I have four screens going every Saturday for 14 hours, but. Even that, I wanted a numerical way to, to compare teams across leagues, across divisions, and, uh, and really get numbers on these teams. Uh, that way I could predict spreads and, and uh, forecast towards the next season. So, yeah, like I said, not all wins are created equal. What it does, it, it digs deeper than just the box score. I mean, you're looking at the yards per play metrics, my explosive numbers, uh, the, the run push, the pass pro, everything's factored into it. And at the very end, it is scaled to opponent strength because – Beating a Vanderbilt twenty-four nothing is a lot different than beating Alabama twenty-four nothing. And mm, right. um, you know, you can you can see a score come across the ticker. Uh, it just says twenty-one to twenty, but you don't know that one of those teams had six fluky turnovers that day. You know, so everything is factored in to really get down to a number that I can use week to week uh, to forecast Vegas lines. And mm. and it's kind of crazy. Game grader the formula it forecasts Vegas lines pretty sharply. Um, you know, and, and the, the ones that have value is where game grader differs from Vegas. If there's a more than a four point spread there between, a, you know, Vegas's consensus and what I've got, that might be something I put my, uh, you know, put my eyes on there. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, it's really valuable forward looking, like I said. And then I, I definitely use it year to year to kind of gauge deeper than this seven and six record. You know, how dominant were they in these games? It's kind of a sliding scale. So uh, it's definitely a tool that I use. But I want to say this. It's not the only tool. I think it's important to really balance the analytics, balance the numbers with what I'm watching on spring games, what I'm watching on tape, when I'm talking to head coaches and coordinators. I got to talk to Coach Beamer. It was a great experience. The guy's just as passionate on the phone as he is, as you see him on the sideline and, and in the postgame presser. I mean, he's a great interview. Um, so, yeah, it's one tool that I use out of many and um, just a way to get a number on these teams. Mm-hmm. 
And on that note, again, you mentioned you use it year to year. So I'll ask you this because you've got the Gamecocks. You picked them in your SEC East projections to finish fifth. You got Georgia number one, Tennessee number two, Florida and Kentucky tied for third. And I know you're a little bit higher on Florida than some people might be. We can get in that in just a a second. But the Gamecocks fifth, Mizzou sixth, and Vandy seventh. So let me ask you, what does the grader say and what do you say for the 2022 season, because I feel like what that grader gives you is some perspective, right? Because there's a lot of Gamecock fans out there. Like you mentioned, the hype is building. You've got Rattler, and certainly I'm someone that's fired up. But when you start talking about eight, nine, God forbid more than that, but when you start getting to those win totals, the game grader will quickly remind you and say, hey, yeah, this South Carolina team won seven, but they could have easily won four, right? I mean, I I just feel like it gives you sort of – Uh, you look at the other side of the coin and it makes you realize how fortunate Carolina really was to reach their win total. Now, granted, you look at some of these results, you say, hey, they some of these games could have went the other way. They could have won more than seven. Uh, I I won't ask you necessarily if you want to lock in a prediction record, what have you. And again, you've picked the Gamecocks to finish fifth in the East, which is where the media picked them to finish as well uh, in Atlanta. Um, But this season, this schedule, Arkansas, Kentucky, Mizzou, Florida, Tennessee, those seem to be the big swing games that stand out. Brett, I'll ask you, is there a most important game for you, one that you feel like the Gamecocks have to have to have a chance at a at a successful 2022? Yeah, well, well, first to your initial question there, trying to break down this SEC East, I'll say that the division has really improved the last couple of seasons, and it's mm-hmm. definitely trending in the right direction. Um, when we talk about our, the seven and six record of Carolina, they placed 52nd out of 66 in game grader. The same record over at Tennessee, they were 32nd out of 66, above average, above the national average there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they're both going to get that similar second-year coach bonus. And, I mean, I think the Gamecocks saw the, the potential of that Tennessee offense when they were up 35 nothing there uh, in, in, in their game head-to-head. So mm-hmm. I think you see Tennessee surging, at least offensively, to one of the best in the country. Florida has been an elite recruiter and uh, they do have a coaching change, but I think that they were a little bit better than the record showed last year at six and seven. And then Kentucky, I mean, this is a team that's really had South Carolina's number. They just out physical, not just Carolina, but they've really out physical a lot of the, of their sec East foes and cross division foes. So they're just a very proven product under Mark Stoops. So then I arrived at a battle for fifth place between Carolina and Missouri and I think that Carolina has it all over Missouri. I mean, that was a no-brainer for me. Um, I think it's more likely that Carolina pushes way above fifth than they do to fall to sixth or seventh. I think there's de- a definite floor there at fifth. They're, they're going to be fifth or better. Um, but, yeah, when you break it down, a couple things hurt in the conference standings predictions. And when you look at cross-division, that could really sway a prediction mm-hmm. yeah. um, year to year. I mean, Carolina drawing Arkansas and A&M, I've got them both in my top 12. That, mm-hmm. That's just brutal. The way that AM is stockpiling five stars, the way that Arkansas now look, if you played Arkansas three years ago, I chalk that as an automatic W. But uh, this is a whole new program under Sam Pittman. And um, so, so to answer your second question of the, of the bunch there, most important game. I mean, I know everyone's circling Georgia, and that's kind of the, the hot take of the summer here to call for a W. And I, hey, I hope it, I hope you bring the, you know, I hope you compete there. And I can't even imagine Columbia if, uh, if that if you pull off that upset. But, um, I think the week before that's almost as crucial. Uh, going at Arkansas, this is a team more talent-wise on your tier there. Uh, it's not a superpower five-star program. Um, so that's a huge – that would really set the tone for South Carolina. If they could go into Fayetteville and get a W. Um, and then similarly, I'll, I'll, the second most important there before the bye would be Kentucky because that's a team I already said has had your number. That's a, a, you know someone right in your tier within the SEC East. That'd be huge to move up the East ladder with a W there. So Arkansas and Kentucky, both tough road games, really could be swing games heading into the back half of the schedule. Now, Brett, let's get off of the Gamecocks and more into your SEC and national projections. Because like I mentioned, I I gave you the East, Georgia winning the East. In the West, you've got Bama 1, A&M 2, Arkansas 3, Ole Miss 4, Mississippi State 5, LSU 6, Auburn 7. And I can tell you this, I made my projections for the West. That one's tough, too, because I think I had three teams going 8-4 and in that league. Um, But it is Bama, Georgia, and the SEC title. And you've got Alabama winning the SEC championship because your playoff looks as such. Alabama is the one seed. Ohio State as the two seed. Georgia as the three seed. And Utah as the four seed. Uh, just talk about those playoff picks, and then who is your national champion? I've got the Alabama Crimson Tide. Do you agree or disagree? 
Yeah, and um, you know, it's it's not the, the 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 best take, the most exciting take for radio or podcast, but it's got to be Alabama this year. Yeah. I mean, it's chalk, but it, you know, it, it's true. I mean, usually the discussion around Alabama is, wow, look at all these first rounders that are gone. Look at these ten starters that are now in the pros. It's kind of the opposite this year. They quote unquote only had seven draft picks. They now return the Heisman winner. They return the best defender in the country, Will Anderson. They return all conference and all American guys all over the place. The number one recruiting roster still sits there in Tuscaloosa, and he's really dominated the transfer portal too. So um, they continue to harness all the modern tools of the game, you know, the modern offense, the, the building out a huge army of staffers, analysts, everything, and now the transfer portal. So uh, all that to say, Alabama's the prohibitive favorite. Plus they have revenge on their minds too. After losing to A&M, losing the national title, and then losing to A&M again on signing day, all that drama. And they're going to come out with their, their heads on fire. So I, th- I think Alabama wins the SEC and is my pick for the national championship. Um, from there, you hit on it. I think Ohio State, you saw the potential with that offense last year. They all returned there. Uh, the question is, how much can they improve their defense under new coordinator Jim Knowles? I think that, that answer is they improve it a lot, uh, enough to win the Big Ten and get back to the playoff. Uh, and then Georgia, real quick. I mean, they're a top recruiter. We know what they have there. Defending national champs. I know they do lose a lot to the pros on defense. That's been well-documented. But when you watch Georgia and when you look at their snap counts, they rotated more than anybody in the country. They had so many five-star bodies that they had specific roles and, and, uh, and situations they would use guys. So while the returning starter number looks a little low, these guys are all experienced, and they're just next year's first-rounders, really, mm. if we're being honest. So, And then the wild-card pick at number four was Utah. And um, how I came to that was there were three leagues left, either the ACC, the Big 12, or the Pac-12. I needed to find who I thought was the most likely zero or one-loss conference champ coming out of there. Mm. And uh, this is not to say that Utah would go beat A&M and Arkansas and, and Tennessee and run through the SEC or anything, but given their schedule, their path, I think they have the most likely path to 11-1. and one. So uh, we saw them turn a corner under new quarterback Cam Rising last year, a very trusted, proven staff under Kyle Whittingham and Morgan Scowie, their coordinator. So I think they take the next step and they, uh, they break through to the playoff. And I would assume you have Georgia going undefeated in the regular season, correct, to reach the playoff with Alabama? Yeah, so it is always tricky when you're trying to do – when you're trying to squeeze two teams from one league into the playoff bracket. You, know, you kind of need everything to work out perfectly. Uh, the good thing is they don't face off in the regular season. Right. Um, so you're going to have to get some scenario where, yeah, they match up in the SEC title game and they're both headed to, to the playoffs. So mm-hmm. it was more so that it was undeniable that these three superpower teams really this year with Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, however you want to slice it, I think those are the three. And then a large gap uh, to, to look for that fourth contender. Right. And I just asked because I've also got Georgia going undefeated because I, mm-hmm. I look at honestly, I look at Georgia's schedule. And I mean, their toughest game of the season is between the hedges against Tennessee. And their second toughest is, I would say, South Carolina on the road. And if they beat both of those teams, I, you're asking a Kentucky or an Auburn or a Florida to beat them. And I, and I agree with you, man. I, I think Georgia, they lose a lot. I think they're still elite. I really do. I just, yeah. I think Georgia's so head and shoulders. You know, it's Bama, Georgia, and then just everybody else. The lead storyline in the SEC is who is number three, who's ready to step up and even be remotely close. Is it an A and M? Is it a Tennessee? Is it is it a God forbid a South Carolina or an LSU or or what have you? Um, Brett, this has been incredible. Thank you so much for taking the time. Last thing before I get you out of here, uh, again, the Vegas over under for the Gamecocks has been six and a half. I feel like seven and five is the safe pick. I've gone on record and picked the Gamecocks go eight and four, including a win over Clemson in the season finale. I don't know if you'd call me crazy for that, but the question I have for you is this. If South Carolina is going to overachieve, I feel like I may have asked you this last year, but I, I love posing this question. If Carolina is going to overachieve, they're going to hit that over six and a half. Let's say they're going to go eight and four and they're going to hit my prediction. If that's going to happen, it will be because of what? It'll be because of the offensive line really playing to their potential, really taking that next step as such a veteran unit uh, with the entire two deep back, all the starters, seven guys with starting experience um, and only, you know, only up to go from here. So I think that that's the biggest concern on the offense, but really the biggest swing you know, swing position too. If, if that becomes a strength, um, yeah, this offense doesn't have any weaknesses that I could point to. And, uh, and, and the ceiling really increases on this team. So uh, it's a big if, but, but if that offensive line, you know, can, can go from bottom 20 to top 40 or even above average, that really opens up a lot of W's for Carolina. A lot of those one score games might flip their way and you can get to, to Chris's eight and four record there. So 
hey, that's what you got to do, offensive line. And we will start to get answers to all those questions and more in just 26 days from the time we are recording this, Brett. Siancia of Pick 6 Previews. Be sure to check him out. Social media. Get his magazine. Get his magazine. You still have time to go buy the magazine and uh, catch up on everything. And this is one, hey, you need it all season long to reference to. Uh, this is certainly a, a, a publication I'll be looking at the week of each game. Uh, keeping up with all of his fantastic work on social media. Again, Brett, it's always a fantastic conversation. We have you on the airwaves and look forward to doing it again soon, my friend. Thank you so much for taking time. Let's definitely chat again in the near future for sure. Yeah, absolutely, Chris, and best of luck in 2022. I know we'll talk soon, and congrats on all your successes, the new studio, and uh, I think you guys got a big year, not just Spurs up, but I think as South Carolina football. So keep that momentum rolling, and uh, hopefully we'll talk soon. Absolutely, and congrats to your success as well, my friend. He's Brett Cianci. I'm Chris Fultz. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs Up Show. (laughs) 